Thank you, Josh and Amy. Good morning. I'm Scott Weatherford. Uh, Amy and Josh reminded me of why that song was written. It was written by a guy named Robinson, who was an upcoming young evangelist in England. And he, he drifted into liberalism. Uh, he wrote that song while he was on fire for God. He drifted into liberalism. He actually began to believe what's called universalism. And in that universal thought, he really um, left the authority of Scripture. And later in life, after he kind of, well, I think what we'd call him in Texas is a reprobate. Does that translate to y'all? After he drifted into that, he was on a train going from somewhere in Scotland down to London, and a young lady was reading a book of poetry. And he asked her, what are you, what are you reading? She says, I'm reading this very compelling poem by a man named Robinson. It was his hymn. And he got to the place and said, Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to live the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take it, seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. He fell under conviction. He came back to the Lord and finished his ministry back in orthodoxy, back where he should have been all along. So it just goes to prove to y'all, it ain't how you start, it's how you finish. You might have a period of stupid in your life, but we have a Savior who'll save us from ourselves. Would you agree with that? Now, this whole series we're in today, well, this week, this period of time, Crazy Love, is all about our rescuing, loving God, how he is crazy in love with us. In fact, he is so crazy in love with us that he would lay aside his rights and privileges of deity, take on the form of flesh, and die for us on a cross. That's crazy, y'all. That's how much God loves us. He demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners, Christ, What? died for us. And today, I'm going to wade into a deep creek, probably going to get over my head. In fact, I think that I'm preaching to myself, y'all just going to get gravy. Uh, somebody told me when I walked in this morning, he said, I saw what you were preaching on, and I've already started crying, because <laughs> we're going to talk about resentment. We're talking about bitterness. We're talking about getting rid of this stuff that lives in our, in our souls. A few years back, I was pastoring the church in Canada, and, and God was blessing in an unbelievable way. The church was growing and thriving, and I was a redneck in Canada. It was amazing. It sounds like a book title, doesn't it? Redneck in Canada. And uh, Texas goes well in Alberta, actually. Alberta is uh, northern province, western province. You could put an Albertan in Texas, and they'd do just fine. And so I think that's why I did so well in, in Alberta, cowboy land. 
we were in the middle of a board retreat with our elder board, and I had a group of unbelievably godly men. Their job was to support their pastor and make sure the church didn't drift from orthodoxy. I love that. I love working with those guys. We were in the middle of a, of a, prayer, of a retreat, and our habit was that we had extended times of prayer. This wasn't a bunch of guys in a, in a business meeting going over financials. This was a group of guys, even though many of them in the room were very able, wealthy businessmen. But it wasn't their business they were about. It was the kingdom of God they were about. We were in prayer. We were spending time in prayer. And as we was praying, that little voice that came whispering to me that sounds like my voice, but it's not my character, said, you're resentful. And I had a full-blown argument with the Holy Spirit. I'm not resentful. How dare you accuse me of being resentful? And he took me on a journey to the basement of my soul where I saw lingering in the corner there a root of bitterness, resentment, things that, well, that I'd been sinful and I'd been sinned against. And I was resentful. And I realized that that had to go. They were praying about this and that, and I was arguing with God. We finally got finished, and I did the only thing I knew that I could do. I went public with it. We said amen, and they looked at me. They said, well, pastor, what's next? I said, boys, i got to tell you something. I'm resentful, and I need, I need to get over it. Instead of gruffing and chastising me, we began to talk, we began to pray, we began to analyze and then there was a time where the guys had said, you know what? We are too. Various reasons, various things. And we had to do business with God. Now, God is relentless. Did you know that? When he gets your, his thumb on you, he ain't going to let it go till he gets all the good out of he wants. The good Lord is like a southerner at a pig killing. Ain't nothing wasted, not even the oink, I'm telling you. And so as it were, God had me the next week on a spiritual retreat with a group of pastors. And we gathered someplace in the cold, frozen north. I don't even know where we were. The snow was about that high. I could smell Santa Claus's breath. We were so far north. <laughs> and we had a guy coming in who, who was going to lead us through an exercise, and his specialization was pastoral soul care. I'd never in my life heard of anything called soul care. Have y'all ever heard that before? Soul care. We're literally, we're going to care for our, the condition of our souls. You know, I think we need, to, we need to pay attention to stuff like that, don't we? Because we could, we could just go through the motions of church and we can miss Jesus. And my prayer for you guys is that you don't come every week and you get churchified, but you don't get sanctified. Now, there's a big difference. And we, we waded into this and they were talking about it. And, and, and so I went public with them. I told them I was resentful. And God began to clean out the basement of my heart. And then, dead gummit this week, I get into this passage of Scripture again, and I see that critter again in my heart. In the basement of my soul, I realize that resentment has found its nasty way back into my life. And I don't know about you, but I know about this about me. It's got to go. It's got to go. And so we're going to let the Lord teach us how to get rid of it. And for some of you, it's going to be a reminder. And for some of you, 
It's going to be an awakening. And I hope for all of us, it's going to be liberation. Because God does not want you to live in resentment. He wants you to live in freedom. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor right now, look him in the eye and say, leave me alone. I need to hear this talk. Will you do that right now? Yeah. All right. Well, let's pray together. Father, thank you for what you want to say to our hearts this morning. And I pray that you will speak through me. It will not be my words or my thoughts or, Father, even my opinion, but your truth that will set us free. Thank you for what you want to do in us, for us, and through us. And I pray this in your strong name. Amen. Take your uh, study guides out. You notice there's an insert in your bullet that gives you some notes. It also gives Take the Weekend with you. We want to continue the conversation in your quiet time with the Lord. So I've got various scriptures there that go along with this talk that you can read every day and pray and reflect. If you're not in the habit of journaling your prayers, I would encourage you to do that. Write your prayers out. I'm kind of ADD. I know it's hard for y'all to imagine that. That's why Tara does the focus fox on me. So uh, thank you, Dan. I see that hand right there, brother. Yeah. Dan focuses me uh, regularly. I appreciate that for Dan. But uh, I journal my prayers because it helps me track to see how God is working on my soul. And that's just a little tip for you. Also, we have extra small group material provided for you. Now, a group material could be two or three of you. It could be your family. It could be some folks you hang out with at a coffee shop. It could be a formal or informal group. We have extra stuff available on our website that you can access and watch. Now, this is not the rehashing of the sermon, but it's extra stuff. You can't get this anywhere else. What I've noticed is when I prepare a message, there's a whole lot of stuff you guys don't get. And y'all are thinking right now, well, you preach long enough to get all of it. But anyway, that's all right. I'm giving you time back when you get to heaven, so just relax, okay? But it's, uh, in fact, you ain't got no place to go anywhere. Don't act like you do, all right? You're just hungry. Bring a sandwich. You'll be all right. But there's extra stuff that you can, you can garnish together. Why do we do this? Because we love you. That's why. We love you. And we want you to become like Christ. And it's a matter of building our hearts and souls all for Jesus. Okay, y'all with me on that one? All right, that's three of you. That's exciting. Resentment ruins relationships and makes us suspicious and distant. Let me repeat that again. In fact, write that down. I think it's on the screen. Resentment ruins relationships and makes me suspicious and distant. That it's hard when I'm resentful, it's hard for me to get up close. Think about this. It's very difficult to hug a porcupine. And what happens with the quill of resentment and bitterness, it becomes that, that, that thing that keeps people away from us. When somebody's very bitter, you'll know it within the first 30 seconds of meeting them. They will drag up their resentment to you. What happens with resentment, what it does, it ruins my relationship. It ruins my relationship with my precious Tara. It ruins it with my kids. It ruins it with my neighbors. In fact, it ruins it with you. Now, I've been a pastor for 35 years. That's a long time. Started when I was four-ish. And, and people say to me all the time, they say, well, I'm resentful. I've been hurt by the church. I've been hurt by the church. I've been a pastor for 35 years. You think I haven't been hurt by the church? Do you don't think people have ever said bad things about me that weren't true? 
Do you think people have taunted me and made fun of me? They criticized my socks or the lack of my socks. They criticized whether I tuck my shirt in or don't tuck my shirt in. Really doesn't matter. Does it matter? I ain't supposed to tuck this when it's got a fish on the bottom. But if you don't want to put a fish in your britches, you just don't. Mama taught me better. <laughs> Dad, I need the fox right now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you. So it, it creates a suspicion. And then so I don't get close. I'm always thinking about what are you up to? What are you doing? The word resentment literally means this, to live again, to live again. That's literally what it means. And what it means is that, that I'm going to relive the pain of the event. And resentment grows in the exaggeration of time. The longer it's extended, the bigger it becomes. And the more wounded and offended you become. Now, some of you think about grievous sins from your childhood. I remember when I was in first grade, my teacher, my first grade teacher, who everybody loves your first grade teacher, right? Tara's a first grade teacher. I love her. She's my favorite teacher. Uh, Miss Martinzak, that was her name. She was at a parents' conference with my, my mom and my dad. My dad was a school principal, remember? He was an expert in the Board of Education. <laughs> she told my, my mom and my dad, he said, Scott's really smart, but he's lazy. Lazy. I was a six-year-old kid, and I was offended. I said, woman, I'll show you lazy. And actually, I realized a lot of my driven nature over these years has been trying to prove Miss Martinsic wrong. That's just cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, y'all. Don't look at me all spiritual. I know you got junk too. Hmm. Resentment to live again. Another name for resentment is bitterness. Once you look at this passage, the writer of Hebrews said this, look after each other. Oh, means I have to go public with it? Because if it's private, I can't look after you? Oh, you don't ever want to admit nothing to church folks because they're going to have prayer requests about you. You know what I prayer request? Usually it's Christian gossip. Hmm. Look after one and each other so that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Well, how do we deal with this? What do we do? How do we climb into the basements of our souls? Why don't preachers preach on this? I'll tell you why we don't preach on it. Because we're guilty of it. We're guilty of it. It's like this preacher I heard once said, I'm going to preach on sin except for the things I like. That was supposed to be funny. Y'all missed that. So let's look at the root of resentment. Where does resentment come from, and how does it, how does it grow? How does this bitterness grow in our life? There's some miscon misconceptions. Just, you just don't understand. You, 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 you perceive things wrong. There's differences in culture, differences in ways people handle things. Uh, Texas is different from where I grew up in Florida. When I moved to Texas, I had to learn to be Texan. When we moved to Canada, I had to learn to be Canadian. Canadians are passive-aggressive. They won't tell you what they really think. They'll, they'll tell you something that's sarcastic or condescending, and it's passive-aggressive. Y'all, I'd rather just deal with aggressive. I handle aggressive. Passive-aggressive, I'm always questioning. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so we, there's just misconceptions of culture. I say, I say this all the time to, to leaders here. I said, you know what? I have a lot of experience, but I don't have Wimberly experience. 
So I have to learn and I have to understand culture. And sometimes the things that I say and do aren't necessarily evil or evil intended, they're just wrong. Or some of the things you say back to me, uh, just, they're just culturally wrong. And we don't get that. There's no evil will, intent. There was no, but when I'm bitter, I'm resentful, I'm suspicious. And so this misconception comes with dealing with culture or personalities. Some people are just straightforward. Some people are, are more passive. Some people are, are more sensitive than others. Have you noticed that? In fact, later, if the Lord wills, that I'm going to talk to you about uh, personality types. And I'm actually going to give you a test. Some of you will see you don't have a personality. We're going to help you with that. <laughs> because we want you to become like Christ. Or, or, or you assign motives to people based on their, your warped thinking. Now, here's something about motives I, I've discovered. When I hear people say, well, I just don't trust their motives. I don't even know my motives most of the time. How can I figure out what your motives are? That's just, that's just arrogance and misconception. And so that breeds resentment. Then the next thing that breeds resentment, I hope you guys are writing this down, is unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. That we, we become resentful when we don't get what we want. Tara and I were driving up this morning. We are talking about this, this, this subject. And I said, you know, most of the problem we have is we're selfish and we're sinful. Would you agree with that? And, and sin basically is I want what I want when I want it. And when you don't meet my expectations, I become resentful. When Tara and I started dating, I was living with four, three other guys, and they were basically human swine, they were filthy. And so I couldn't stand to live in squalor, so I cleaned up. I kept our house clean. I'd wash the dishes. I'd clean the commodes. It's amazing how long guys left in their natural order let a commode become what it becomes. I've seen places in Africa more sanitary than some of the bathrooms that I lived in in college. And, and Tara would come to our house. She noticed that I, was, I would cook and I would clean. And she had the misconception that when I, we married, I would continue that behavior. Now, throughout the years, she has trained me properly where I'm now a cooker and a cleaner, and I do it with great joy, my love. She's here in this service. I tell the truth now, okay? And so here's the deal. Unmet expectations, she expected something. She didn't get something. She could become resentful, right? How many of us in our marriage are resentful because of behaviors, because we have expectations? I've said this to you before. When you get an argument... You should never say, you make me so mad. You should say, you expose to me how selfish I really am. Because most of our problem is our, is our own problem, our own sinfulness. Y'all, this is a fun talk, isn't it? And then there's speculations. We want to speculate things. We want to prognosticate. We spent this week, uh, some part of this week, watching the NFL draft. It's just about the most boring thing. It's like watching paint dry. And we listen to all these prognosticators talk about who ought to be drafted, when they ought to be drafted, and guess what? None of them knew what they were talking about. They were speculating. And they're all making six-figure or above salaries in their custom-made suits, spitting out nonsense. I looked at Terry and I said, I could do that for a living. I'm just as ignorant as everybody. I'm good at that. Speculation. And then there's um, mean people. Some people just mean. 
Some people are evil. This morning, as I was kind of looking over my stuff, I read an article on narcissistic personality disorder and sociopathic personalities disorders. <laughs> Isn't that encouraging? Your pastor was reading that stuff this morning. I was getting ready to deal with y'all. Okay, no. <laughs> to realize that in the church, there's people that are just, they're just mean, right? I remember one time. And there's people just sloppy. They just don't mean it. They're just sloppy. Uh, I preached a message one time. This is up in Canada. This lady came up to me. She grabbed my hand. She said, Pastor Scott, you're not as dumb as people think you are. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Get to know me. You'll change your opinion. Yeah. It's like, really? Really? And they're just sloppy. They, they don't mean to be, but some people do. And then there's just division. Division, the fruit of the flesh, as it were. I want you to listen to this. This is what Paul wrote to the church at and, uh, and the, the Galatians, he said this, when you follow these desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Now, listen to this list. A sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Kind of just put that in the, the fruit of the flesh there. Idolatry. Sorcery. I want you to look at that word for a second. That word, sorcery there, it's translated in some translations as witchcraft. The Greek word is where we get our word for pharmaceuticals, which means drug abuse, alcohol abuse, drug alcohol abuse is the source of demonic activity. Wimberly, you were known for your drug addiction. That's why next week we're going to talk about generational sin because it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Would you rather Wimberly, Wimberly be known as a valley of hope or a valley of dope? I thought that was pretty clever. I worked on that one. All right. <laughs> Hostilities, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension. The word dissension, if you want to take it to its fullest meaning, it means this. Thinking everybody else is wrong except for those in my own little group. Hmm. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. That's Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Y'all, that list describes the church. Describes the unchurched. Describes society. And Jesus came to set us free from that list. Hmm. And the last thing, and I know there's more, but I'm going to kind of cut this off. Being sinned against. When people willingly sin against you, they're abusive to you. They're hard to you. They're unloving and unrelenting. Some of you as children were abused, being sinned against. Uh, in fact, studies tell us that one out of four women will be abused in their lifetime. That's reprehensible to me. I cannot believe that our society would treat women like that. But we do. And I think the church ought to lead the way 
and the protection of women and children. Don't you? Hmm. We got very involved with the fight against human trafficking. What we discovered is that 98% of the women and children involved in prostitution and sex trade are there against their will. And I think it's reprehensible. Don't you? And I think there's a solution. It's King Jesus and his church. And his church. James Garfield was our president. He was shot in an attempted assassination, and he died several months later because the surgeons kept digging around in his wound. He did not die from the gunshot. He died from people digging around in the wound. Some of you have an event in your life that has left you wounded, and your perpetual digging in that wound is killing you. Killing you. And resentment has no place in your life. What keeps me from dealing with resentment? Why don't I just deal with it? Well, I'm afraid to look into my heart. I don't want to go down in the basement. I don't. I don't want to take time to take care of my soul. I want to just keep plodding along, D-Day, stuff it, forget about it. A few years ago, Tara and I went to Europe for 14 days, and we toured the Reformation. We started in, um, in Prague, and we went up to uh, Herrenhut and Wittenberg, and we studied Luther and Calvin and Zwingli and Zwingali and um, Menlechton and other leaders of the Reformation, Jonathan Huss. It was just an amazing adventure. One night, we were down in Kander in Germany in the middle of the, of the Black Forest, a place known for uh, witchcraft, actually. And we were staying in a house. There was a, a, the bed and breakfast we were staying in was built in 900 A.D. That's an old house, y'all. Now, we were staying in the new house, which was across the road, which was built in 1100 A.D. So we got the upgrade. Well, we... we Tara and I, we kind of lollygagged around, and other couples went over. There's three bedrooms. Other couples went over, and they got the best rooms, and Tara and I got the worst room. And we walked in, and there was a single bed in our room, and there was Tara and I. I said, baby. She said, uh-uh, ain't going to happen. You go find someplace else to sleep. I said, all right. So I went downstairs. There was a couch down there. My, my buddy Clyde, who was another pastor, he went across the street, got me a blanket that the dog had been sleeping on. <laughs> and he gave it to me. And, and uh, so I'm kind of I'm nosy. Don't judge me. I'm in this old house, and I'm, kinda, I'm down there by myself, and I'm kind of looking around. I think, I wonder what's in this old house. And I started looking at cabinets and started looking at stuff. Ain't nobody around. So I'm just looking. And I opened this door, and it's a basement. And it's like a creepy, dark, there's somebody down there with a the butcher knife basement. <laughs> and I shut the door. I go, oh. And y'all, I had trouble sleeping at night because I thought stuff had come out of that basement. And the truth is, I'm afraid to go look at the basement of my soul. 
much less turn on the light and find out what's down there. Because it's just too hard. It's too painful. I don't want to do it. But I need to. I need to. Because I want my life to be full of the riches of God and the love of God. And I, I want it all for Jesus. So I got to take time to go look. And some of you are going, I wish I had not come to church today. Mm. I want somebody to pay for my pain. I want a pound of flesh. Somebody needs to deal with it. If I deal with this, then I'm going to let them off the hook. If I forgive them and I, resent, if I release resentment and bitterness, then they're going to get away with it. And the truth is, most people don't even know they've offended you. They have no idea. And you're, it's like you're drinking poison, hoping the other person will die. And it's pointless. It's pointless. Or I kind of enjoy the pity party. Woe is me. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Think I'll go eat worms. About their heads, I'll suck the juice out, throw their skins away. That's troubling even to me. Then the last one, and as I wrote this, I thought, this is true. I'm fearful. What might, will my life be like if I don't have this resentment to hold on to? I'm afraid of living in freedom. Because this resentment has identified my life for so long, I won't have anything to talk about. I won't have anything to drag up. I won't have any, anything for people to feel sorry for me about. I'll lose my positional power because I'll be in freedom and I won't have something that drives my ego, be it all baited, uh, perverted, to get people to feel sorry for me, therefore draw attention to me. Freedom is fearful. Fearful. I watched people in Canada trap bears. And they put them in drums and they haul them off and they release them. You know, those bears don't want to come out of those drums once they get in there. They have to poke them to get them out. Because they got comfortable in their trap. Mm. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into their right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Paul goes on to say to this, man, I love what he says. One day we'll preach through Galatians. He says, don't think, don't think you're somebody because you're really a nobody. Hmm. Well, how do you uproot resentment? As Paul gave the list of the fruit of the flesh, in Galatians, he gives a list of the fruit of the Spirit. For his spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. 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 It's a gift of the Spirit, a fruit of the Spirit. God gives you the power to control yourself. Hallelujah. I am not a victim. I'm a victor through Christ who loves me, I can live different. To the church in Ephesus, Paul wrote this, get rid of all. How much is all? 
All is all, y'all. All bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has what? Say it out loud. One more time. I want instead of you, I want to say me. Forgiven. Forgiven me. Take your fingers and point it at yourself. Forgiven me. You have been forgiven. So this is a journey from the inside out that results in an outside-in life change. We talked about it. It's called a chiasm, by the way. Bitterness is the core of resentment. Now, look at the very heart of myself, and, and if I'm bitter, the core of resentment, then that leads to rage. That's a seething. A seething. Rage is a seething. And that leads to anger, which is an external. External evidence of an inward seething is rage, is, is anger. And, and rage is rooted in bitterness. And so in that external expression of anger, what usually follows that? Harsh words. Harsh words. I say things, and I'll say things later. I said, well, I didn't mean to say that. Yes, you did. Yes, you meant to say it. And what you ought to do is eat crow while it's warm, cold crow sticks in your throat. You might as well just say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I was wrong. Slander. Slander is harsh words spoken about someone, not to someone. Slander literally means to tear the flesh. What if we had a, an agreement amongst ourselves that we're not going to talk about somebody, we're going to talk to people. And then we're not going to let any words come out of our mouths that are not for building up, that are for building up, not for tearing down. What if, what if we made that decision? What do you think the church would be like if we lived that way? We're not going to talk about one another. We're going to talk to one another. You think we might be different? What do you think our families would be like? We had a birthday party yesterday for our little granddaughter. She turned two. She had a blast. I sat beside her while she ate her birthday cupcake, and I was reminded of a toxic waste dump as she had cupcake everywhere. She's the sweetest little thing in the world with a filthy little mouth and filthy little hands and filthy little feet. She's a two-year-old. And I wonder how many of us live relationally like a two-year-old. Mm. Bad behavior. And that's a prolonged behavioral pattern as a result of what? Bitterness. Bitterness. Paul, under the inspiration and the divine speaking of the Holy Spirit, wrote this for you today. 
instead. And here's the outside, external expression of the inward dealing with your soul. Kindness. Kindness. I'm going to be kind. Tenderhearted. You know what tenderheartedness is? I'm going to stop judging and I'm going to start loving. I will find common ground with folks. Instead of wagging my head and shaking my finger, I will say, man, how can I show the love of God to these people? How can I be tenderhearted toward them? Some of us are more tenderhearted toward our dog, our cat, or our horse than we are with our neighbor. There's an advertisement on TV that drives me crazy. Not that it's not a good thing, but it's just a thing out of order. It shows little animals freezing and cold, and they want you to adopt an animal. Where children all over the world are freezing and cold and starving. We've elevated dogs and cats and little children on the same level. What's wrong with us? We need to be tenderhearted. And then forgiving. Forgiveness is a big step. Forgiveness is a gift to yourself. It'll set you free. It'll set you free. The first person you need to forgive is yourself. I hear people say this. Well, pastor, I know Jesus forgives me. I just can't forgive myself. You know, I think that's the most selfish thing I've ever heard in my life. Do you think you're better than the God of the universe? He's forgiven you. What gives you the right to hold on to it yourself? Are you that arrogant? Oh, it sounds so spiritual. I had to practice that, by the way, y'all. Yes, you can. Jesus paid it. All to him I. Sin had left a crimson. And he washed it. By snow. What about reconnecting with folks that have sinned against me? Yeah, I forgive them, like let it go, and I could forgive myself and let Jesus take care of that. And, but dead gummit, we got a wedding in two days, and I got to hang out with those folks. Or oh, we got Christmas coming up. I got a sermon called How to Deal with Your Crazy Family at the Holidays. The Lord lingers and may spring that on you too, right? Do y'all know that everybody's normal till you get to know them? Right, every family's dysfunctional. So even the family of God is dysfunctional. So, so what about reconnecting? Forgiveness and reconnection are not necessarily related. You see, I could forgive somebody and not get back in a relationship with them because they're going to continue to hurt me. We were at the Hayes City store the other day for lunch. And I got a phone call, and I went outside to talk, and I sat down on, the, on a, the bench out there in front of the store, and their cat came up. 
And he rubbed on my legs, and he jumped up on the bench, and he got up in my lap. So I pet him, and the dadgum thing bit me. I said, that's it, cat. You got to go. And I got rid of the cat. I urged the cat to depart. I could see that our relationship would be catastrophic. (laughs) I'll stop now. Yeah. I cannot reconnect with somebody who's going to continue to bite me. Matthew 18, 15 and following talks about reconnecting. It talks about resentment. In fact, in this series, we're going to talk about that passage. What does it mean to, to be people of reconciliation? What does that mean? At the last part, Jesus said, if they will not reconnect, treat them like a tax collector or a publican. What Jesus was saying there is that you don't have an intimacy with them because you can't. So for some of you, the best thing you could do is move a 1,000 miles away from your parents or set up proper boundaries that you will not be reconnected until there's true repentance and because there could be no reconnection without repentance. And you can't just stuff it. You might have to confront it and you might have to have a hard conversation and that's coming in a later message in this series of crazy love. Repentance means to repurpose or to turn around about, and it's displayed through actions and attitudes. Repentance means to be repurposed, to take something that was used for this and make it used for this, and it, 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 ex, it ex, exudes itself through actions and attitudes. Forgiveness can and should be released in your heart even before the other person repents or asks for it. You could pre-forgive people. How many times should you do that? 70 times seven. And Jesus didn't give you a formula so you can check the box till you get to the end and say, that's it, I'm done with you. It's unlimited. You can pre-forgive and live with your hands open. Past sin against cause strong emotions. Now get this, even when you have forgiven somebody, and maybe you've re- even reconnected with them. But then you're reminded of the event. And you feel that surge of emotion come back. And that anger comes back. And that harshness comes back. Are y'all with me? And you become resentful again. That doesn't mean you haven't forgiven. Just to quote the great theologian Andy Gibbs, it's just emotions. And your decisions drive you, not your emotions. And when you have those emotions that come back, you need to remind yourself, no, I have forgiven them. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Because the Spirit is giving you the power of what? Self-control. And I don't have to be driven about by the winds of doctrine or emotion. I can let my decisions become my destinies. Mm. Now, reconnecting without repentance just invites further abuse. So just be wise. Some of you are victims, and reconnection is impossible this side of heaven. That's okay. That's okay. You just honor them from a distance. I was a young pastor 
and uh, we'd, we'd made some changes to our structure. And this guy who was a big donor in our church, he got mad at me. He said, I'm taking my money and I'm leaving. <laughs> it was on a Saturday night because usually people aggravate preachers on a Saturday night. Something about Sunday's coming. And um, I remember telling him, I don't know why I said this to him, but I told him, I said, you know what, buddy, it's okay. I'll see you in heaven. I'll see you in heaven. Now, he didn't know what to say after that. And um, Sunday came, and I preached with a broken heart. Monday, our treasurer approached and said, man, I don't know what you did, but we had the largest offer in our history yesterday. I said, I didn't do nothing. Jesus did something. And one of my key leaders standing there said, yeah, I came up here because my wife and I forgot to give our tithe check. Here it is. And, and the giving that Sunday, normally our week, weekly offering was about $2,000. This was like $10,000. And the Lord said to my heart, you let me deal with this stuff. Because when you're worried about what I'm worried about, I'll take care of what you're worried about. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Church, I want to tell you something. We worry about the kingdom of God. He'll take care of the kingdom of First Wimberley. He will. We ain't got no kingdom anyway. This is Jesus' church. Right? Yeah. Hmm. All right, so let's get done with this. Y'all have enjoyed this long enough. <laughs> what if you're resentful towards God? What are you going to do? I want to say this to you. I want you to hold on to this. God will let you feel every emotion and every anger toward him that you want to feel. The one thing he will not do, he will not be ignored. He will not go away. And he will keep loving you. He will keep loving you. And he'll keep working on you. And he'll keep guiding you. And he says, I've taken your heart and I've sealed it for my courts above. Mm. So let's take some action steps. Take a look at your life. Is my resentment real or am I making an excuse to live in misery? Is it real or am I making an excuse to live in misery? Will I go public with the private? Now, next week, we're having a, a huddle to talk about groups. We want to have a healthy group life in this church, ever how it's expressed, that you have a safe place to go public with the private, to grow to be like Jesus, to have people who love you and walk with you. The church ought to be a safe place to hear a dangerous message, right? It not should be a place where it becomes a place of gossip and slander. It ought to be a place of honor and care. Would you agree? So I'm going to go public with it. Am I living with, with resentment? Am I managing resentment? Or do I really want it all from God? Do I want forgiveness of my sins and the forgiveness of being sinned against? Do I want it all? Am I willing to live a life on God's terms with accountability and counsel and soul care, and giving grace and releasing people into God's care and God's accountability. I'm willing to do that. Am I forgiving myself? 
Will I really trust Jesus? When we forgive, we release resentment. And we become more like Jesus because Jesus was the greatest forgiver ever. Huh. And we give him greater access to our hearts and our souls and our lives. You see, this week I went into the basement of my soul again. And I said to resentment, you got to go. You got to go. Because I want it all from Jesus. I, don't want just, I just don't want just church. I want it all. I want to live all for Jesus. A dear friend of mine, actually he's a counselor. He's my counselor for 40 years. Did mine and Tara's premarital counseling. That's how long I've known him. His name's Dr. Shuford Davis. He wrote me a note one time, and he signed it. One of the washed... One of the washed, or as the text would say, washed. Okay. I read that. I called him. I said, Shuford, what do you mean by this? He said, son, I've been washed in the blood of the lamb. I've been made right with God. It's not my righteousness. It's God's righteousness. He's given it to me. I'm one of the washed. I like that. I said, Shuford, I'm one of the washed too. That's right. He said, now be a pastor that leads people to the washing. The washing. Lead them to want it all from Jesus. Forgiveness for your sins and your sin against. Deal with resentment. Deal with bitterness. And live all for Jesus. Two things I want to say to you today. Here they are. Are you one of the washed? Have you given your heart to Jesus Christ? You see, I could talk all about this all I want to unless you have a divine, supernatural empowerment by relationship with the living God, the King Jesus Christ. You cannot do this. You need Jesus. Do you have him? Are you one of the washed? If so, then live like it. And get it all from Jesus. If not, come to Jesus. And he will wash you as white as snow. In a moment, I want to lead you in a prayer that help you be one of the washed. The second thing I want to ask you, if you are one of the washed, do you want to really get rid of resentment? I want you to reach in your bulletins down. I want you to pull out that blank card. Some of you said, what in the world is this for? Pull out your blank card. If you don't have a card, we have some guys who will give you a card. If you'll just raise your hand, we'll be glad to put one in your hand. So these guys are moving ninja-like through the crowd, like a, like a mist over the plane. Here they go. As quickly as their nimble bodies will carry them. Now, this may be a little strange, this is what I'm going to invite you to do. There's one here, right, right down here, right down here. I wonder if you're bold enough to take the things you're resentful and write them on that card. 
I don't want them. And don't put you down. You put you down while you want to, but I wouldn't. Write it down there. And on your way out today, we have a burn barrel. And we're going to throw them in it. We might break out some hot dogs <laughs> and cook over the resentment fire. But we're going to give them to Jesus because we've been made right. We've been made right. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and after I pray, Dan's going to come and we're going to sing. And while we sing, we're going to have several of our couples here who want to pray for you. Now, there could be revival breakout here. If today you, you need to be prayed for. Uh, now, it's not a time to just, I can't, well, I don't want they're going up there for. No. And maybe after we're dismissed, these couples are going to hang out if you want to be prayed for then. We're going to be here to pray for you. Tara and I will be here. Other couples will be here. So we want to make it convenient. We want to be known as a people of prayer. And maybe you need to be prayed for. But it's time to do something. Let's pray together. For those of you who need to trust Christ, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Pray it believing. Pray it trusting. Because Jesus will do what you ask. Pray this. Lord Jesus, right now, I give my life to you. Thank you that you died for me and you rose again. You've forgiven my sins. And I accept that forgiveness. Jesus, I want it all from you. I want to live for you. Jesus, I'm yours. I'm yours. If you just prayed that prayer, then you have just been washed. Now, your next step is baptism. A physical washing to show an inward washing. Let's help you with next steps. In fact, if you prayed that prayer with me today, you can come pray with one of us. We also have a new believers packet available for you out at the information booth. You can swing by and pick that up. It'll help you with next steps. On the back of your bulletin is next steps. Let's take them together. All for Jesus. Now for the rest of us. Jesus, I thank you that you don't give up on me. That you let me deal with the hurt and the sin and the shame and that you want to give it all to me. Thank you that you're, you're the God of the great finish. And I pray we'll live for you. Pray I will live for you. That I'll find your forgiveness and your healing and your cleansing and I'll live in that reality. Lord, I don't want to live with resentment. I want to live in freedom. I want to live all for you, Jesus. I want to live all for you. And I pray this in your strong name. Amen.